is Scuba Go Go Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. Now, before we get on with this week's episode, I just want to share a quick story with you because I got a call a few weeks ago from my mate Martin at Scuba IQ. Hey, Matt, what are you up to in December? Do you fancy co-hosting a trip with me? Now, of course, I played it cool. Oh, yeah, I might be interested, mate. However, it doesn't take a genius to work out my answer when the trip he's talking about is in the Great Barrier Reef. Woohoo! I'm in. So, we're taking a maximum of 12 guests and we're visiting lots of hotspots such as Steve's Bombing, the Cod Hole, Lizard Island, and we may even be attempting the first floating scuba goat podcast. So, if you want to get involved, come along and have a lot of fun and some awesome diving. Follow the link in the show notes and grab your spot quick. Now, on with the show. Hey, Stephen. Hey, what we should do is just introduce you to our listeners. And um, so I'll hand that bit over to you because I think you know yourself better than I know you. Uh, well, thanks. Um, so, yeah, my name's Stephen Fordyce, uh, generally known as Steve, but I'll, I'll answer to anything. Um, I am 36 and I've done quite a bit of stuff in the, the diving and, and other spheres. Um, I'm an engineer and but a quite a hands-on one and I um I've come into uh my little niche in the diving industry running my small business TFM Engineering Australia. Um I do custom gas equipment and and things and uh I've I've been known to tell to explain my customer base as uh the sort of people that have their own compressor. Yeah. Um so yeah there's there's a whole whole series of things around that. I did have a look at TFM, mate. You've got an impressive lineup, an impressive catalogue there, I've got to say. Yeah, thanks. It, it, the idea was that it would be anything I kind of felt like at the time. Um, <laughs> my, my my professional background, I've, I've got a, a degree in mechatronics engineering, um, and I've but I, and I worked for uh, about six years in industry, actually designing, project managing big industrial gas systems, uh, liquid mm-hmm. nitrogen, liquid oxygen, giant gas plants and smaller things. So, um, yeah, where a lot of people have come into diving from a, a um, you know, a teaching background or a, an, a, an air background, I come in from a, um, a pure gases uh, engineering industrial background, which is kind of interesting. How old are you? Because you look so freaking young to have done all this stuff. Oh yeah, I, I get that. I'm. Uh, I just turned thirty six, I think. Holy 19, 19, 1986, That's when I was born. Okay. So um, yeah, I turned thirty six uh, yesterday, actually. Oh, or the day Something. Or the day before. Yeah. <laughs> I've just about lost track by now. But um, yeah, and apparently I've got a baby face, uh, which seems to be. It, it was a bit of a hindrance early on, um, trying to trying to have credibility, but um. I've just about got to a point in life where I'm old enough to be taken seriously and sort of like having a bit of a baby face. Yeah, yeah. And how how did you get into the diving side of life? Uh, yeah, well, I, I started off pretty pretty young. I guess I was I was twenty um, and just wandering about at Monash Uni, and I saw the scuba club, and I, I thought, oh yeah, that that looks cool. Um, I'd already done quite a lot of other outdoor things with the bushwalking club. Um, so I've got a bit of a history of picking up an activity and taking it to some kind of logical extreme. Um, 
So does so that, I, does logical actually, logical and extreme come in the same sentence? I often. <laughs> or, or yeah, in in my own head anyway. So I um <laughs> back in two thousand and seven ish, I I rocked up to Monash Open Day. I saw the scuba club and I thought, yeah, that's cool. So I went up to them and I said, hey guys, give me your pitch. And they talked about how you could uh, rent gear really cheap and you could go off and they had their own boat and you could um basically that that at that point that was when I realised that scuba diving might actually be affordable for me at that point being a, a pretty poor tight student um yeah and uh one thing led to another and two years later i was the president running the club <laughs> literally yes. hit at the deep end uh, a little bit yeah i got got a bit carried away did did my um did my open water and various other things and yeah running running club suited me really well um I've always been a bit of a I like like to do things my own way, and so um, the club was a really good way that that I could do that. Um, mm. You know, they they had a boat and uh, you know a b- bunch of uni kids running around uh, with a boat and all the all the dive gear was was a really amazing, fantastic thing to be part of, and I threw a huge amount of energy into that and making it really cool. And so I've got you know life, lifelong friends that. We went through all sorts of trips and things and, and everything else. So um, I, was, I was a mad ocean diver for, for quite a few years. Um, we took the club boat. We drove around all over Australia. Um, so I've done all sorts of weird and wonderful dives. Um, as far as, as Perth, the, um, we also t- we took the boat to Tassie. We took it up, up to northern New South Wales and all over Victoria. Um so yeah, it was, it was a fantastic thing to do uh, at uni when the, we we had time, not not so much money, but um, yeah, we, we did some fantastic things. How'd you manage to do all your study with all this uh, mega travelling going on? It's pretty impressive. Oh well, they give you they give you so many so many breaks, um, and I, I also probably was guilty of the cramming technique a bit. <laughs> yeah, fair one, fair one. And where did it? We're in the sea. We're doing the doing the ocean recreational bit. How on earth did you end up taking it into caves? Yeah, well, that's I am sort of probably best best known and most um, most keen on on my cave diving, and, and in fact, a, a specific niche of cave diving called called sump diving. Mm. Um, I actually I, I knew quite early on that cave diving was a thing that I wanted to do. Um, I did did my uh, initial training with ocean divers in in Bentley, um, and they they have um, a, a big kind of uh, standing in in cave diving. They do a lot of courses, and some of the some of the instructors like um, Jane Bowman, who was who was my instructor, and Mark McDonald, um, they they operated out of the shop. And so even as I was doing my open water and advanced open water, there were pictures on the wall of people cave diving. And there were people in the shop that cave dived, and you know some of my other instructors were around cave diving. So it it actually seemed like a pretty natural progression for me. And I remember even quite early on when I'd done thirty odd dives and hadn't hadn't done my advanced open water yet that um I I looked at it and I'm like yeah yeah that's I'm, I'm going to do that cave diving that, that makes sense. <laughs> Whereas a lot of other people I think sort of come around to it a bit more slowly. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I've tried. Um, I, I, I think it's all extremely interesting, but I think I'm one of those divers that prefers the ocean. 
I've I've tried a few um, you know a few little dips through the cenotes and stuff like that. Um, it's all interesting, but it doesn't grab me as much as corals and fish. Um, I suppose it's it's each to their own. But you just mentioned that yours your kind of flavour is is pretty unique, being that of sump diving. So yeah, sump sump diving is um, it, it's sort of a, a quantum leap, um, much much the same as uh, recreational diving to cave diving. Um, it's it's probably a similar leap from cave diving to sump diving. Um, so to to get um, to get into cave diving, uh, obviously there's there's quite a number of different courses um, in Australia. That the typical path is through the Cave Divers Association of Australia, the CDAAA. Um, so there's there's three levels and then assorted uh, experience building in between. There's a heap of good good stuff to do um, at each level. Um, typically in Mount Gambier, so there's the, the crystal clear sinkholes, and um, it's sort of culminating up up in in the seven kilometres of, of maze tunnels in Tank Cave, mm-hmm. um, and then the, the Nullarbor sort of comes in there in, in the mid to high levels. And um, yeah, once once you sort of achieve that advanced cave level. Um, you, you there's there's a lot more things open to you and um i'd i'd done a bit of dry caving in um at, at uni and and dry caving is, is just sort of normal caving with abseiling and squeezing and climbing and um and walking and um i sort of put that on hold while i while i became a mad diver mm-hmm. and um i went uh yeah I, I got a bit of exposure and then was lucky enough to get get in on some some trips um, it, where where we were combining diving and caving, and so that's essentially that's that's the the explanation of sump diving is it's it's the combination of cave diving and dry caving to further the cave. Yeah. So sump. I was sump just. Diving is, oh, go on. Go on. No, go on. Go on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So sump sump diving sump diving is an exploration tool. So generally, it's it's where we're we're not necessarily diving exactly for the fun of it, but we're diving to find or to access some more cave uh, beyond the dive. And because you need to be uh, an accomplished caver and a, a pretty gnarly cave diver, that that really appealed to me because it was it was such a niche niche thing, and there were so few people doing it. It is very very niche, isn't it? I was, I'm just. I'm looking off camera at the moment. I'm trying to find it. The um, YouTube footage that you had up of is it? Is it called Pop Belly or something like that? Is a where the bloody hell is it? There's a there was a, a a cave that you've you've done two and a half three three minutes or whatever, of just popping yeah, up the water and following through to try and find the end of a cave. There's been a few a few quite a few different projects I've been involved with. Uh, mm. Growling Swallow and Niggly Cave. Um, was a big project in Tasmania and we ended up connecting these two caves via a dive. And so that, that was a fantastic, that's, that's a fantastic example of sump diving where we've got these two caves. It takes about six hours to get to the water either side mm-hmm. and um, the two caves are linked by 700 metres of flooded tunnel with a maximum depth about 25 metres but average depth about probably about eight. Yeah. So connecting those those two together was a, a massive team effort um, with with the Southern Tasmanian Cabineers down in, in Hobart, 
um, each dive, there'd be six or so people and everyone would put in a, a 12-ish hour day for that one, one diver to, to go and do a, a sort of two-hour gnarly um, push dive at the end. And what, what's the um, what's the clarity like when you're when you're in there? I mean, everyone everyone would assume that it's it's you know much the same as it was in Lantian Caves and coffee brown murky water and can't see anything. Yeah, you, you get um you get a, a brief period on the way in of crystal clear or fairly clear water, hmm. but um as soon as you touch anything, um which you try not to, but as soon as your bubbles touch anything, you tend to get a, a cascade of silt off the ceiling, hmm. um. So a lot of the time you actually kind of look ahead, take a mental picture and then the silt rains down and, and that's sort of it for a while and then mm. you swim back into the clear water. Um, so, yeah, the, when you're push diving like that where it's undisturbed, uh, it's a real uh, mental focus game, um, mm. which is which is really cool. It's, it's one of the, the things that I, I really like about it, um, maybe not at the time, but in an overall sense of, of achieving something something amazing it is yeah it certainly is amazing and how do you um you know just going into the finer details of it because you're descending like you say 25 meters to eight meters on average in coffee how do you find your way through the murk to find the the end goal that you're looking for is it literally fingertip and if you come to a dead end turn around come back out and go another way uh well that's there's actually a really big emphasis on on being able to see, um, mm. and so if if it's undisturbed, then you you can see. You just got to swim fast enough to stay ahead of the silt cloud, <laughs> um, which, which is actually it's, it's okay. Um, if you're swimming with the current coming towards you, then that's less of a deal. Um, if you're doing a downstream sump, then you stop and the um, the the silt cloud goes ahead of you that's that's obviously a bit harder and so you've got to keep moving faster yeah um but yeah uh making setting the conditions for the best the best possible dive outcome is is actually a key part of planning Mm. so um a good example is is sesame cave which has taken up probably probably a lot more than than the the energy i budgeted for um I've done two two quite awful push dives in there over the last two years um, for, for not much cave. Uh, mm. But the, fir- the first one I did completely blind. Um, so getting to the cave, it's it's a nasty series of wriggles in the water and walking in walking in the mud, and it, it was completely coffee. And so um, it took uh, the best part of half an hour to feel my way uh, along about about forty meters. Um, yeah. And I was, I was quite worried about how long it would take to get out, so I was, I was very conservative. Um, couldn't read my gauges the whole time, so I had to sort of kind of guess how much gas there was left, um, which is, that was that was quite unpleasant. Mm. And um, it took me two minutes to get out, and I thought, you know, wow, that's, if that's the difference, um, it'd be much it'd be much better being able to see where the big bit was. So um, yeah, I actually went back and we camped in the cave specifically so we could let the water clear overnight and that that created a whole huge series of logistics but um i i can sort of honestly say that the dive is properly finished now it's the the diligence has been done it didn't it didn't go sadly Mm. but um yeah we we threw everything at it and did it did it properly which is a big part of my satisfaction 
Yeah. And, I, 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 you know, the logistics and the teamwork involved in this must be satisfying within itself, even if you get a, you know, relatively dull ending to the dive. It is. And, and it's actually quite fun being a, a supporting person, or, or I think so anyway. Um, I've probably done most of the the, the push diver role of, of, of late in the last few years, but um, I have been a support <laughs> It's, a lot, it's quite a lot more fun because there's there's no pressure and um, and everything else, but um, yeah, it's a great atmosphere and I, I try and I plan plan a lot um, for these things and plan it down into the finer details like having a stove, um, sometimes even having music so we can chill out and um, collecting all the little one percenters to to maximise the chance of success mm-hmm. and, and have fun because um, yeah it's when you're hauling a bag of someone else's dive gear out of the cave at midnight, um, it doesn't seem like much fun. Yeah. Why the hell am I doing this for him? <laughs> yeah, well, mate, I mean, it, it's meant to be for the, the good of everyone and, and it's definitely um, the team shares all the, all the, the glory, but um, yeah. there's certainly a lot sits on the push diver's shoulders. Well, it does look – I mean, I'm just going to refer to um, – refer to – was it a couple of weekends ago now when you did the – you found the, the deepest – cave in australia congratulations to you and the team thanks yeah yeah that was um that was a pretty cool thing it, it wasn't wasn't diving related um so it was just a dry uh series a series of shafts uh we so we abseiled down 350 odd meters and um we found we connected two of these deep caves together and set yeah set a new record for australia's deepest dry cave yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a diversion that sort of took a lot of the energy for the last six or eight months. But um, it was a fantastic team exercise and we, we managed to get uh, nine people involved in the connection trip, um, eight of whom went all the way through in one cave and out the other. So that was a fantastic – it's just a fantastic experience to do and share with, with, with all those people. Yeah. I, I must admit those videos that are out there, uh, I've, I've been, sni- uh, been flicking through them all and – there seems to be a lot of fun and joviality going on um, while I'm watching it and watching tiny people squeeze through tiny little holes. And all I can think of is I'd need a jackhammer and a hammer and chisel just to get, get halfway through this stuff. It's remarkable. Yeah, well, the, the small stuff and the mis- I mean, the miserable stuff, we, we sort of do it. We don't really do it because we like it. We do it because there's something worth it on the other side. Hmm. Um, yeah, so... so there's there's a bit of it. I mean, when you're starting out uh, with caving and and diving, sometimes you'll do stuff just for the sake of it or for training. But um, it's one of the things I like about the the exploration concept is that you don't have to do things the hard way because you know we we get to do things the easy way and we make them as easy as we can and it's still really hard. So that's that's also pretty satisfying. It, I'm sorry, I can imagine so. Um, was it? What was the actual depth of it? Because is it four hundred four hundred and one meters or something like that? Yeah, four hundred and one is is the figure. Um, it's actually the the new entrance is is very close to the the previous highest entrance. It's it's, it's within fifteen meters in three wow. D space, but um, yeah, it's four meters higher. So we know we know that it's it's definitely four meters higher. The previous uh, the previous deepest cave was actually made in three years ago when when I, I did that that very well supported dive in um, 
in Niggly Cave to connect it to Growling Spot. Yeah. And I, I probably should should point out for, for everyone that the deepest cave in the world is 2,200 metres. The deepest <laughs> cave in New Zealand is over 1,000. Um, <laughs> our our 401 metres is a bit piddly by world standards, but um, it's important to us. And, um, yeah, we, we had a bit of fun naming. Uh, we named the cave Delta Variant and um, we gave it a, a whole COVID theme. Um, yeah. There's all, all sorts of silliness around that. But, um, I did notice there's a lot of Disney about it as well, eh? Yeah, I did, I did a, a Disney princesses theme for when we split up into different teams to make on the connection trip. So, um, yeah, as, as we were saying before, the silliness is important and sometimes it's a case of, of faking it till you make it. You know, yeah. pretend, pretend you're having fun and, and everyone actually kind of believes they're having fun. <laughs> yeah, and they can revel in that fun when you're at the... Uh, the proverbial 19th hole of the golf course, eh, at the end of the day. Yeah, some some of these things, are, are, the fun is, is derived afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you about that, um, the Cocklebiddy Cave Expedition. Because that looks, I'm just looking in your um, in your catalogue there, and there's a photo there with all the... Um, all the DPVs and all the equipment. It looks like it was an amazing setup. How long did that one take to put together? Yeah, co- Cocklebitty, that's probably probably one of the pinnacles of my, my cave diving experience. Um, so for, for those those that don't know, Cocklebitty Cave is on the Nullarbor. Um, it's about, it's got about six and a half kilometres of linear passage. So at the furthest point, you're six and a half kilometres of diving from the entrance. Um, at one stage, it was the longest underwater cave in the world. And um, most of it is big enough, no, to, you know, you drive a truck through easily. It's, there's bits of it you can fly a plane through. It's just so big um, and spectacular. Mm. And it's also got several several uh, dry chambers, which actually make the logistics really painful. So, um, yeah, a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, we, uh, myself, Ryan Kaczkowski, Liz Rogers, who, uh, yeah, we go way back on different projects, we... We wanted to push the end, so that's that's you know the thing you do in, in cave exploration is you you try and go a bit further than than previous people have, um, mm-hmm. building on their work of course. So um, yeah, to to do that we um, we probably over overdid it a bit, but it was that that same concept I've talked about earlier of um, maximizing your chances when you're actually there. So working working back from that, uh, you can get to the end in one day. Uh, it takes maybe sixteen to twenty hours, so it's pretty massive. And you're out, out there at the pointy end, knowing that you've you've got to reserve a whole lot of energy for that that return. Mm. Um, and when you're trying to solve a, a you know a complex logic puzzle underwater, trying to read the cave see what's happening where, know where to look because uh, remembering you've got that couple of seconds before the visibility uh, ceases. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we, we said, all right, well, let's if we're going to achieve being in the best state of mind, we're going to camp in the cave as close as we can and we're going to repeat the dive. So we actually we camped in the, in the cave as close as we could get. Uh, we camped in Toad Hall, which is uh, about three and a half kilometres in. Uh, we camped in there for four nights, and that meant we could do multiple dives out to the end. Okay. Um, 
So we would do about a about a six hour dive in the final section from our camp, um, and that meant we could we could be fresh. Uh, we knew that it was only you know only two hours diving to get back from the end to our camp, and um, we also we did other little things like uh, we took in a projector, and so each night at our camp we watched Indiana Jones. <laughs> projector on the wall it's uh, i mean the sound was terrible but um it was a really really cool thing to do just to to chill out and get ourselves in the mood you know we had good sleep we took in um because we had to take our own water we didn't sort of have to worry too much about um you know other things so we, we could take in drinks and food and um you know we cooked up cooked up good things and um yeah <laughs> and and so we, we also had a, a huge mountain of stuff and unfortunately that meant that we, we spent, I think we were on site for about 12 days and we basically spent all except three days um, of, of wonderful diving in the middle, uh, shifting about 500 kilos of gear from one place to another. <laughs> Sometimes it was underwater and we clipped it all together into a sled and we towed along with, with scooters, um, yeah. DPVs. And then we'd have to pull it apart, carry it over a rock pile, put it back together in the water again, and then tow it through the next section. Yeah. So um, I'm not entirely sure I've got another one of those in me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm super, super glad that we did it. And the, the photos of the sled, um, Liz, Liz took some fantastic photos of towing this this behemoth. And it, it's been made into memes on the internet, and, and it's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks it looks fantastic. It really does, and what an adventure! What's um, what's what's next? Uh, well, at the moment, it's I mean, it's been pretty weird with um with COVID. Um, hmm. so the Nullarbor has been sort of off the table for me. Uh, it's two states over, and you know, thirty hours driving. It's a big big commitment. Um, and I've been I tend to get focused on a a project. And I've been very focused on on stuff in Tassie at the moment. So there's there's a particular caving system, a cave system under Mount Field National Park, and it's, it's called the Juni Florentine. Um, people might be familiar with the Juni Cave Resurgence. It's a, got a little park reserve around it. Um, yeah, and so that's that's a the deepest caves in Australia. Quite cold, there's seven degrees, and um, there's also a lot of undived sumps, and so I've I've been going there for quite a while, and um, being not too far away, I've I've spent quite a lot of time there in between Melbourne lockdowns and, and COVID things. Um, it's also close enough that I can I can fly there for a weekend um, without it being too horrendous. So um, I've got a list of list of sumps I've been working through and diving. Um, had some some great successes. Um, and there's there's a few left, a few things to wrap up, um, but it's it's really good uh, high quality exploration. You know, you, you find stuff you know nobody's ever been there, um, and you get to name it, which is you know, strangely one of the things I quite like is is naming things. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's um, it's certainly unique. And what what does it actually? Can, can you express the feeling of you know? diving through somewhere that no one's been or seen ever before uh i'd I'd like to give it lots of 
you know, wonderful, airy terms, but honestly, it's it's usually just a bit scary and alone. <laughs> um, a, a lot of the, well, may, maybe not. It's it's controlled controlled fear. Um, that's a useful thing, but um, yeah, it, it's it's perhaps absorbing is is a good word because um, you've got so much going on, so much focus um, that there isn't there isn't sort of too much time for for thinking. Um, thinking about philosophies and stuff. Um, so yeah, perhaps, perhaps a lot of the satisfaction is afterwards when when you're back and safe and everything. Yeah, I suppose the mental come down is quite uh, quite big as well, isn't it? Your focus, like you say, you just mentioned focus. There must be extremely on point while you're doing this, and then afterwards, maybe um, tiring. Uh, a little bit, but um, yeah, obviously you've got to get yourself out. So, um, mm. and it, it's surprising there's very little sympathy uh, when everyone's been sitting around shivering for a couple of hours um, <laughs> at yeah. seven degrees in there. And, and um, a lot of the time you get quite quite wet just getting to the dive site. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, you, you come back and, right, we're going, hurry up, get changed. You wanna, <laughs> here you go, have a good hot drink. Don't take yeah. too long. Get in here, let's go. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's certainly a relief to get back. I probably should mention um, I've alluded to to solo diving, which is mm-hmm. um, a bit of a contentious topic and actually something that I, I would recommend most people don't do. Um, obviously, it's got assorted um, implications. Uh, suffice to say that I consider it a tool. It's a tool for a job and mm-hmm. a, a fairly specialised tool for a specialised job. Um, practically speaking, with sump diving, a lot of the time you just can't get gear for two people to the, the water and um probably more importantly if it's going to be tight um and and low visibility which is you know a fairly safe bet um it's actually safer not to have somebody else getting in the way yeah um and of course we we, we plan and train and and mentally prepare um for, for self-sufficiency so there's, there's a whole series of, of things around it um but before I, anyone sort of puts me up on a cross or anything yeah oh there's always armchair warriors and I, i'm there's there's going to be cavers out there that, that clearly know a lot more the, about the the business than i do um however i think you hit the nail on the head there because e- even for a recreational diver like myself it, it just makes common sense that if you've got two people in tandem and you're going through squeezes that have never been seen before then your visibility is going to go to dog shit and that possibly can be an issue just in itself let alone having someone that get, gets in your way as well yeah yeah it's um it's definitely and it's yeah it's definitely not for everyone um in fact it's quite interesting to see uh see see the the reaction of people when you sort of tell them what you do and it's not just so uh recreational divers they're, they're probably worse than the general public because the general public sort of doesn't have the fear of knowledge whereas um recreational divers they sort of go oh wow you know that's i they they really feel it um that that, all those extra things that you're doing while you're underwater um so yeah get get a few uh strange looks looks from them and and also the cavers actually um because they understand the caving side of things they sort of go oh wow you're going to do all this and then you're going to dive as well so um (laughs) you sort of sort of become a, a bit of a pariah in in both worlds it certainly makes me very tolerant of other people's weirdnesses. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I think you've got an aptly named T-shirt there, introverts. I think. Oh yeah, uh, it actually it actually says introverts unite separately <laughs> in your own homes. <laughs> so um, I, I am I am a, a, a well well known introvert, yeah. but um, I, I do all right with talking to people as well. Um, yeah. The the pandemic was um, I was reasonably well suited to that. Yeah, I didn't mind it to be honest. A couple of years of. Um, not being out and, and busying around all over the place. I quite enjoyed the first six to eight months, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel t- uh, very lucky to, to be able to say that I did, did okay through it. I know a lot of people struggled very badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, My missus was climbing a wall. So yeah. wanted to get out and go all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, we, I mean, we got put in touch by um, by Sue, who was on the, um, the podcast uh, last week. And you're going to be down at the... Austec dive show in October. Yes, and I, I did. I did actually um, in preparation, and as a, a good thing to do, I, I listened to um, Sue's podcast yesterday. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was great. It was actually really interesting to um, find out, you know, about someone in a bit more detail than you normally get. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, so I, it's really good. Um, and I, yeah, definitely, I'll, I'll be at Austec. Um, I I'm a, a bit of a regular. And I was uh, lucky, lucky enough to be awarded the Emerging Explorer last last Alltech. Congratulations! Um, yeah, thank you very much. Right. Um, yeah, so that, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, Alltech's a big deal, um, de- definitely in, in the technical community, technical diving community, but um, you know, just generally in diving, it's yeah. it's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would I wouldn't miss it, and um, I'll be I'll be talking about I'll be doing two presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one, one of which is uh, about general stuff I've been doing since last Oztech. Um There's quite a bit of it, so I'll, um, I'll just sort of go here and there and everywhere. Um, yeah. And then the other, the other one, will, it'll come out on the program. So, are you? Um, do you know where you're placed in the program? You know, if you're talking on a Saturday or Sunday or both? Or? Uh, not sure. I don't. I don't think it's come out yet. Yeah. I, I've been had a few things happening, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be. Um, in there at some point. I think I think they do it as a bit of a secret, so you can't plan which day you're going to go. If you're general public, <laughs> oh, I want to I want to go and see Stephen Fordyce talk. Oh, what day's he on? Not sure. Yeah, oh, got to get just, both tickets. I, it's it's I just it's fantastic that um, I always go and have trouble figuring out what to see. Um, yeah. There's so many different people with so many different passions, mm. and um, you know I, I don't necessarily have have scope to go and do all of the stuff, you know, like deep wreck diving and other things. Um, that's not sort of my, my something that I do, but it's really cool seeing people that do it and also people that, that uh, record it as well. So I'm, I'm quite, quite passionate about um, properly recording and documenting what you're doing. So um, one of the, the things with a, a push dive is that it's not over when you turn around. Um, you do all the, all the, uh, problem solving and finding the way on and laying the line as you go in mm-hmm. and then when you turn around and come out you've got to actually survey and map the line on your way back so um every time the line changes directions uh we record the depth compass bearing and the distance from the previous previous one mm-hmm. um we, we use a put knots in our guideline and are able to do that and then we can plot that later to see where the cave's going so um it's, it's a, a um just just thinking on then um 
you're doing all that and, and doing it by knots and lines. What about the, the 3D photography stuff that Matty Carter and Bottom Line Projects and that do on Rex? Would that not work inside some of the sumps that you go? Uh, it probably it probably would, um, but it's sort of uh, making it a whole lot more complicated than it needs to be. Mm. Um, it's, it's actually not that big of a deal to do the survey um, okay. once, once you get the practice and have the mindset for it. Um, and I think the photogrammetry stuff needs good visibility and plenty of, plenty of photos. Yeah. Um, I, I dare say one day that they'll, they'll be able to take a, a GoPro, a shaky GoPro footage and turn it into a, a full 3D map. Mm. But um, my understanding is that's a bit of a way away yet. Yeah. I suppose it just adds to the equipment that you're taking in with you as well, doesn't it? That too. Everything's because everything's carried such a long way. It gets it gets fairly carefully culled. Mm. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Yeah, so um, Oztech. I'm. Re- I must admit, I'm really looking forward to Oztech. Um, the last one I went to was in, I think it was 2018, when I, f- I first visited Australia, and um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one as well, and I'm going for the full two days. Are you doing the decompression party afterwards as well? Oh yeah, yep, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's um, I mean that's that's probably the best place for um, uh, yeah, mixing mixing with people. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's I mean Oztech's really cool because it's the one um, it's the one event where you get everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the Western Australians come over and the New Zealanders come over. Um, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, everyone, everyone sort of generally makes the effort. Mm. Um, other stuff like the, you know, the cave divers symposium in Mount Gambia. Um, obviously you get the cave divers, but you don't get the wreck divers. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily get the, the West Australians. Um, yeah. So I was I mean, it's the spot if you want to, want to, you know, bail someone up or, um, catch up or ask a question or yeah. have, a, have a quiet word to someone. Oh, mate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be wandering around with the camera and the microphone. I'm just going to be asking a, a, a million questions. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And um, anyone who doesn't want to be on camera, tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, well, I heard on the on Sue's podcast that they're, they're recording them all, all the presentations this year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to have to yeah. watch what I say, though. <laughs> they could never have me on stage. I swear too much. <laughs> <laughs> And um, you've got nothing coming up this year. What about with TFM? Uh, yeah, um, few few odds and ends. I've got a few more Tassie trips planned, um, and I, I dare say I'll um, I'll spend a couple of weeks over January in Tassie. I've uh, been been doing that the last few years, and it's really good to get a um, get a good a good go at it. Yeah. Um, the it's it's quite hard, obviously. So, if you go for a, a, a weekend or even a long weekend, you really only get one one solid day, um, and then you're, you're too wrecked to do much else. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do a half day or a moderate day, but um, the big big caving projects are quite quite one day, and then you need a rest day. Yeah. Um, last last January, we did discover a new. A new section at the end of Nigley Cave, and um, <laughs> get up there. This is uh, 
Sophie, Sophie the cat, um, yeah, friend, friend of introverts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so at the end, the end of Niggly Cave, we've, we've been hitting it for sort of five or six years. Um, it's a spectacular cave. It's got two kilometres of railway tunnel right at the bottom. It's 300 metres below the entrance. Wow. And um, we're just... It, it, we know it goes. We know it's got another five kilometres before it, it comes out, the junior resurgence, and it should be it should be just as big. Um, but there's a big rock pile at the end, and you know it's it's forty metres high, and it's got all sorts of little squirrely bits going around it. So we've, we've been sort of systematically getting in there um, and trying to map the little bits and push separate leads. Uh, probably probably a lot of people have come and gone. Um, there's a, there's a few of us still kind of keep ticking along, mm. and um, last January we found we found a sump, uh, and it's named the Biohazard Sump. It's really not very pleasant. It's not a very pleasant area. Yeah, yeah, but it could be it could be something really cool. So um, it's probably going to be the, the most remote sump dive I've done in Tassie, um, and we're we're definitely will spend three nights underground to make that happen. Why is it why is um, it called the bio biohazard sump? Uh, it's actually sometimes you got to be careful with your naming naming history. But um, this one is because uh, Gemma, one of the discoverers, cut her finger on a rock, yeah. and um, yeah, we we there was we saw the droplets of blood before we saw the cut, <laughs> and um, so someone said, "Oh, that's a bit of a biohazard." <laughs> so I mean, the name, yeah, the naming is is part of the fun. Yeah. Um, there was, I went through a, a phase of naming a whole section after Game of Thrones characters. <laughs> um, there's a there's a, a chamber called the Business Class Lounge. Yes. Uh, and I managed to score a business class flight to, to Tassie that, that trip. And um, I was quite miffed that, that Hobart didn't have a, a business class lounge. So I, <laughs> so I gave them one. You've just got to go. And I, don't, I don't think – no, I'm the, I'm the only visitor – so, um, yeah, and then if, if you go past the, the business class lounge, you... Um, you, you get climb. to the chairman's lounge. No, no, you, you, <laughs> climb, uh, you climb the corporate ladder, which yeah. is a particularly awful, slippery climb, and um, if you get a bit further, you, you, you hit the glass ceiling, which is at the end. <laughs> and unfortunately, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get past there. I tried very hard. But um, a bit further back down in Boston... In, um, Oh, I've messed it up now. A bit, bit further in the business class lounge, yeah. there's a, a horrible little hole and um, it's you know, with a puddle in it. Yeah. And if you, you crawl in backwards with one tank off, that's how you get into this sump. And um, then you sort of turn around and go on. And that's that's the lateral higher sump because <laughs> once you pass that, you surface into a nice, nice big streamway passage called Boss Land. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> After that, the theme the theme changed and it got a bit it got less good. Um, eventually, that that ends in the bin chicken haven. Ah, um, yes, yeah. That's, the, which, that's which is, the video I saw on YouTube. Bin chicken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a whole uh, the the theme song of that trip was um, was the ibis song, or the, <laughs> a song about birds by Bondi hipsters. Look it up; it's quite amusing. Uh, it's also got some terrible language. <laughs> but um that was we tend to have theme songs for the for the trips um yeah. especially a longer camping trip like that so um it's a bit weird but it, it, i'd like to think it helps with morale and helps distract people so um 
I'll I'll pick a song and uh, I'll generally I'll just just generally play it a lot. Um, the idea is to get it stuck in people's heads, yeah. so they think about that rather than how how um, difficult the caving is. Yeah, I tend to. I had a habit years ago where um, if I was leading dives, I'd just start whistling on the deck as we're as we're gearing up, and um, the amount of people by the end of a say a liverboard would would comment that they'd have the Star Wars uh, tune going through their head or Wizard of Oz or something like that through the, the entire dive and they couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, good. it's good fun. Yeah. But no, that, uh, that bench checking video, I like that one. It's, um, it kind of it, it, it kind of shows that, uh, that, that sump diving and then coming out the other side and the way it just all opens up. Yeah, that, that was a fantastic day actually. Um, after I... I Sort of given up on the um, the business class lounge, mm. um, you know it was it wasn't really worth the effort and the sort of um, the cost of, of negotiating everyone into carrying carrying all the dive gear down. Yeah. But um, it's actually on the trip where we connected uh, Growling Swallow and Niggly together. Um, so I had all the full dive gear kit down there, and I I realised that I could probably probably go back and have another look at at the um, business class lounge mm-hmm. so um yeah having having that second look um ended up breaking through and and going into i ended up doing a really long day i think i got got back at midnight back to camp in the cave really night um found a whole lot of really cool stuff um just really sad that it, it um it didn't go it ended in in rockfall that i couldn't find a way through yeah and it was that's a sizable that's the one that's on the video right the rockfall uh yeah yeah one of them yeah um, that's pretty it's pretty big but po- possibly um yeah my my favorite part of that trip was um as i was i came back to camp and everyone was asleep i started singing the bird song uh about the ibises yeah. and um i actually managed to insert myself into one of the guys dream <laughs> so he, he started having a, a weird dream about ibises and me and caving things and yeah <laughs> and then he woke up really confused as like as i walked in yeah, oh, yeah, well, that's marvelous. Um, okay, okay. Um, right, I think we're gonna. I'm gonna have to scoot in a second. We uh, I'm parked out the front, and with the delays <laughs> that we had at the start, I'm gonna end up getting a bloody big ticket. Um, TFM, let's let's have a little bit more about TFM because uh, let's let's plug your business, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shameless, shameless plug. Um, shameless yeah, plug so t- time. TFM. TFM Engineering is the small business that I um, I pivoted to um, when when the real world got a bit too annoying. Um, mm. I was doing more and more project management, big um, big annoying things with bureaucracy and paperwork rather than actually making cool stuff. Um, TFM Engineering is a vessel that I can use to to pursue all sorts of different things. So I design electronics or build gas systems, um, aftermarket stuff for compressors, bits and pieces. It's kind of whatever I want it to be. Mm. Um, I do have a big, a big catalogue which people can find with all sorts of diving odds and ends, mm. um, and I do bespoke things as well, um, which is a bit of fun too. 50 pages catalogue. It's, it's impressive, mate. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's quite out of date. Um, it's 2017 and I haven't had a chance to, um, to redo it because it's – it's such a big job and I'm a bit of a perfectionist. But, um, 
it, it does does the job for now. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's quite a few products in here that you've designed, eh? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not not everything. Um, some stuff is specialist buy and sell, but um, yeah, I, I like to think I've I've at least added value to to most things, and some of them some of them I've developed from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just having a look at the boosters. That looks pretty swish. Yep. Yeah. I do um, hoses and uh, kits and things. I'm probably more um, more focused on not being tied to any particular brands. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of easier. It's a good good niche that I a little niche that I fill. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot in this. Just going through it, there's, there's a lot in this catalog that um, operators will want pieces that they can't find anywhere. I reckon it's going to be in this catalogue, quite frankly. Yeah, that's that's the idea. Yeah, it's obscure yeah. little things that are that are hard to find, which I've I've had trouble finding as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good on you. Okay, mate. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll bugger off before I get a, a parking fine out the front. Um, Very good. Where can people find uh, details of TFM and yourself and um, all the good stuff that you're doing? Yeah, uh, probably Facebook's the best one. Um, You'll find TFM Engineering Australia. So mm-hmm. Search for that or Stephen Fordyce. You'll figure out how to spell it some somehow. It could be in the <laughs> thing somewhere. Um, yeah, hit, hit me up. Um, the ordering for TFM is generally by sending an email. Um, I kind of like the old-fashioned way of connecting with people and you know man- managing, you know, make suggestions, everything else. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can find me all sorts of places. Happy days, and we can we can put links in the show notes, and um, maybe we have a chat later, and I'll chuck a link up on our website or something for you as well. Fantastic, yeah. Happy days, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and um, I look forward to meeting you in person in October, and uh, maybe having a beer on the Sunday evening as well. Eh? Yes, indeed. Happy All right, mate. It's been a pleasure. I'll, I'll see if I can put a t-shirt together with an introvert sign on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Awesome source. Thanks, Stephen. And um, once again, congratulations on, on your achievements and um, big congratulations out to the team as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Matt. It's great, great to talk. Pleasure to meet Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye for now. This is Scuba Goat Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.